0: Hello, everyone. Uh, this is uh, Intercom's oil and gas podcast, uh, number five, I believe, uh, if we're taking count. I'm Glenn Parrott um, with Intercom. And with me today, we've got my co-host, Mr. Vandeford, Aaron. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Um, thanks again for being here. And uh, today on the show, we're going to uh, not only kind of just take a real quick look at uh, wrapping up some of the information around, you know, Q1 earnings, uh, kind of the highlights and takeaways, but, uh, we're also a part of the podcast. We're introducing a new segment. Um, it's going to be our oil tech and innovation series. And we really want to focus today on, um, uh, artificial intelligence. And, uh, we've got a guest in the studio in Enercom's global headquarters, uh, podcasting studio. Uh, got a guest with us today, Tom Shikori, um, and, uh, Welcome, Tom. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, But before we kind of get into pestering you, Tom, because I've got a bunch of newbie questions around artificial intelligence, wanted to take a step back a little bit um, because we are right in the the midst of wrapping up earnings uh, for Q1 and oil and gas. Um, Aaron, any highlights or takeaways that that are kind of standing out to you as we,
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely been a busy Q1. Mm -hmm. Um, We got a little bit more clarity from the Anadarko Occidental Chevron saga. and uh, (laughs) So that was kind of interesting to see, Um, not necessarily specific to Q1, but to kind of close the books a little bit on that. Uh, Anadarko, or Occidental, excuse me, is, is now the lead steer and seemingly will be the the group to close this thing out. And so I think having that clarity for folks is, has been good. Vicky Hollab and Cedric Berger
0: uh, at Occidental are like my new heroes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, they, in my mind, just because they, and we've talked about it on Oil & Gas 360, um, you know, Chevron came in, hey, we're gonna do this. And they're like, hey, you didn't listen to us. And they put together this deal and they've been hustling to get it done and by gum. Looks like this is going to happen for
1: them. They're going to get it done. And, and we're going to see them in August at our conference.
0: Right? I know. I, I know. It's a little bit of a self serving plug, right? Is that the oil and gas conference is coming up this August. It's the number one uh, independent energy investor conference in the US.
1: <clears throat>
0: Shameless plug. <laughs> but uh, as you mentioned, not only the, uh, were they the lead steer in this deal, they're going to be um, uh, our Monday keynote address um, on August 12th.
1: I would say we, we had them lined up before this deal, so. We did, but we, we, we knew something. You know what,
0: and such a great group of guys, they actually confirmed it. Even amidst all this work that they're doing currently mm-hmm. with, um, with Anadarko and the whole Chevron deal and putting their deal together, uh, they actually were very thoughtful enough to kind of say, hey, yeah, we're still gonna be there.
1: Yeah, so I'm excited for that. But, but back to Q1, we, we got a lot of confirmation from the market that free cash flow is still a priority. Uh, and so companies that were either increasing capex for the year or came in heavy uh, or light on production really did pay the price and so I think uh, the market certainly was very clear and and definitely uh, doled out its its uh, punishment for those companies that that didn 't take that to heart i 'm
0: looking at a thing from Tudor Pickering. Uh- it was actually it was a, a write-up in, in Bloomberg uh, that they covered um, at the beginning of the month. For the love of God, stop raising budgets.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's a good title,
0: <laughs> and and that is the message, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, listen to what you're what we're asking you to listen to.
1: Yeah, and so you know, to that effect, we saw uh, gas prices coming into the summer starting to weaken, and so we did a little bit of looking through Q1 and. And pointed out that that guys like Chesapeake and EQT and Silver Bow, uh, Southwestern and uh, all deciding to kind of step back on some of their rig programs for the year already, right? Stepping and, and, and shutting and them down. Yeah, um, and so I think that's all in the spirit of conserving capital, making sure that we're we're being good stewards of that capital, and and so, you know, those decisions weren't necessarily punished. It was you know, reinforced on the other side when pe- folks are saying, hey, we are going to be good stewards of this capital. Here's what our plan is. And, and it's not grow at any cost.
0: You know, if you're, a, a, I guess, a, l- a larger firm, um, even a, a larger small cap, but if you're a, a sort of a, a smaller guy, um, you know, you, you need to, you know, put down a rig. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty impactful for you. And, and how do you balance out that decision of saying, okay, well, you know, crap. I would, I, the only way I'm going to get to where
1: my investors want is if I actually um, step down a rig. Step then. down, yeah. And then to the to the other side of that, the, the important considerations when you decide to say, hey, we're going to step back and do a rig, is what are the associated costs for putting one back together, back to work? Right. That it's not just a lever of hey, we're going to stop and start, stop and start. There's okay. some real costs associated with. All right. Now we're going to go ramp up back up into a program. Um, those have to be thought of as as they kind of go through this decision making process. But I thought that was an interesting um, kind of highlight that came out of it. I, I would say overall operationally, mm-hmm. companies did were very strong. A lot of a lot of production beats right. uh, from analyst estimates, meaning that you know we've dialed in a lot of this production. Uh, we know what we're doing in the field. Uh, if prices are going to go down. Um, on the gas side, particularly, then efficiencies has to be the name of the game again, and and not that it wasn't before, but you know it'll play into some of our conversation on technology coming up. We're looking at everything; everything's still on the table to find these efficiencies and and get oil and gas out of the ground uh, for less dollars,
0: and uh, in a way that the investors are seeing that benefit yeah. um, and. You know they're seeing free cash. They're seeing
1: a, hopefully a reduction in expense. Yeah, and I, I should say, uh, in all fairness, there's two two sides to that. There's for less cost, or how can we get more res, more production out of that? And I'm willing to spend a little bit more for that. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, as we as we think about allocating some money to furthering science, it may be in the name of of recovering more out of these reservoirs.
0: And I think that you know for the, these companies right, you know they they're kind of balancing out hey how do I how do I accomplish this and and still if not rewarded by investors at least not punished. Uh and ultimately it's uh I think they've got to be very proactive on their messaging um so that people clearly understand what that strategy is. Mm-hmm. So that they aren't punished on the downside but you know they it's acceptable. So that's for what it's worth. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so that said, let's uh, get to the sort of the the meat of what we really wanted to have a chat about today, and that was um, oilfield technology. So the oilfield tech and innovation series is really um, it's an outcropping from Intercom's uh, initial oilfield tech and innovation conference, and that, those are conferences we had in 2017, 2018, and. Um, uh, you know, the it's, it was really designed as a platform to really acknowledge this um, impact of technology at the bit uh, or in the data structuring around it, um, and uh, not not necessarily you know how they do their social media, but <laughs> the really hardcore stuff. And uh, we uh, that was very well received generally. And so um, at our last intercom Dallas conference. Um, Tom Chikori, uh, founder of Innovation Illustrated, which is an AI consulting firm presented. And uh, uh, number one, I really appreciate that. So so Tom, first and foremost, yet again, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And um, uh, kind of before we, we kind of dive into the meat of all this, I'm just kind of curious. Like, let's, you know, Tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you kind of get into AI? Uh, I mean, you know, is that your degree or is that that a real, is that a degree or what? Give me some context here. Oh,
2: yeah. Uh, My degree is uh, uh, computer science. That's my bachelor's. That makes sense. And my master's (laughs) is in uh, uh, business administration. So I have an MBA and a BSc in computer science. Uh, I got into AI um, in college. I was part of a research lab where we worked on uh, uh, Johnson Space Center's uh, project. Oh, no kidding, okay. Yes, and uh, one of the projects we worked on was the Star, Star Project at NASA, and part of it was uh, building an, an uh, expert system and uh, to, to, to connect data. And as part of that, I was part of a team that built what was called the Knowledge Bond Tool, KBT. And that was used to uh, harvest uh, uh, data and analyze data and see how data is connected. Was that, it? That's how I got into it. I mean, you're
0: not an old guy. I mean, <laughs> I mean, was that sort of I want to say the infancy of AI or is AI been around a long time?
2: Oh, it's been around a long time. It's just that was that was in the mid in the mid '90s when we
0: were working on, on that project. Okay. Yeah, and then I. Um, has it changed a lot since then?
2: Oh yeah, it has it has the approach we're using the approaches we were using at that time to, uh, to try and uh, have computers model human thinking and human intelligence uh, are very different from what what are being used right now back then we're trying to feed the computer all we know about um, the world right uh, whereas right now we Pretty much, just show the computer a whole bunch of cat pictures, and the computer tells us that's a cat. <laughs> Before we're trying to tell the computer what a cat looks like and what it's all its uh, features and all that, so that the computer can def- can detect a cat. And now we basically just changed to a point where uh, it's all it's all about the algorithm, which is the the, the computer process for 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 example, in this case, de- detecting a cat being the same, uh-huh. and basically you just feed it lots of data to be able to make certain uh, uh, identification. To extrapolate
0: that new solution? Yes, <laughs> yes, if you, you look at it that way, yeah. I, well, <laughs> I, I, I don't know anything about artificial intelligence at all. Um Well, I barely have any intelligence to be able, so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could use some. Yeah. <laughs> but we do,
1: We, we it, it's obviously a topic that is is evolving uh, across industries, but in ours, in oil and gas, it's something that, you know, it was big data and it, big data is still there. Um, AI is kind of now another term that's popping up in all these investment presentations and, you know, providing that framework. And I think, Tom, you and I have talked over the past, you know, little bit, but even over the past year, kind of what, what AI is doing, kind of what you're doing within it. Has, has kind of shifted. And it seems like it's a pretty fast moving space.
0: Now, not yes. to interrupt on that, I just, but you were, you were, prior to this, I mean, you're experienced on IBM Watson, right? Yes. Because in my mind, uh, IBM, sort of that Watson technology was sort of the first, uh, you know, public uh, experience, I think people had with AI in that, you know, it's on Jeopardy, right? You know, yeah. the broad masses are seeing this computer. Take information, verbal information, and process it and come up with an answer. Now, um, and so when I think of AI and I think of IBM as kind of the big dog in the space, so your experience of it, and you were using that, right? Yes. To um, apply it in the oil field. Yes. Can you talk about that?
2: Yes. Uh, So uh, I'll go uh, uh, several steps back, and and, uh, so I can paint the, the full story on AI. So I started um, in 2007. I built uh, a startup that was working on social media intelligence. Really? Basically, we were one of the very first companies to mine uh, social media for use by uh, corporations to determine what people are saying, uh, whether they're saying good things or bad things about their so product. So Zuckerberg has that now, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was around 2008. and 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 one of the uh products that we leveraged for uh processing text was called alchemy api and it's a it's a local denver company that company was acquired by ibm oh, okay. and uh, it became a core uh part of the watson offering oh,
0: okay. and
2: so uh fast forward several years later when i started uh, uh innovation illustrated uh consulting it was just a natural progression for me to Work on IBM Watson because I had the the uh, background on working with its core, uh, this, its core offering. Gotcha. And so that's how I, I, I started
0: working on the Watson. Excellent. And and how? So you're working on that. How did you? How, can you can you talk about the flow tech? component of this what you were doing there
2: oh yeah so with, with, with FlowTech, we were working on uh, um, multiple projects that leveraged the Watson platform uh, the first one was the reservoir cognitive consultant and basically it was to um, use uh, AI to determine efficacy of your product and also use AI to um, advise in um, uh, the most optimum combination of uh, uh, products and decisions and strategy for uh, uh, drilling a well and for deploying the, the, the flow tech, uh products. And the uh, third part of that was the uh, knowledge, as a knowledge base. So you could ask the system that we build certain specific questions about the well, about the company's products, uh, and it would, would work like a Siri or really? like an Alexa. And it was, uh, was very educational from that, from that standpoint. And the last part was for uh, electric, electrical submissible pumps where we use for predictive maintenance. So the idea was to uh, all, the, all the parts that uh, constitute an ESP as uh, we are pulling and installing and s- installing them, we are recording all that information with AI, and we can do predictive. We can predict when a when a pod is going to fail right, yeah. and how long it's going to take to turn around. So it was, it was that kind
0: of. So I've heard that being applied on um, on the sort of the offshore platforms and down at the BOP, right? Um, like, like coming out of you know ten years past Macondo now. Um, of having these parts, and I'll say, you know, hey, I'm going to fail in two months or whatever. Is that kind of what? Yes, you're-
2: that's, so that's the idea. That's the idea. So collecting all this data about a, about a specific part and knowing where it's deployed under what environment, and co- collecting all that data, you are able to predict when a part is most likely to fail, and how long it takes to uh, turn around in yeah. terms of uh, replacing it. And also how long it takes in the supply chain, right? When you order it. So with all that information, you can say, hey, this part is most likely to fail uh, a month from now. Start ordering a new part, right? right? And that way you can uh, decrease your down- downtime right. and the cost associated with that.
0: See, to me, that's a, a very real and practical application of artificial intelligence. Um, because we were kind of talking about this before we you know, kind of got in here in studio, but, you know, we're at the point in my mind where the term itself of AI, um, is at risk of being tossed into the sort of the buzzword heap along with, you know, big data and predictive analytics. And, um, mostly because it's always presented in this broad ephemeral concept that's tough to explain and show operational results and success. And I guess, so my question is, am I wrong on that? Um, because, I, you know, on the one hand, I like the idea of parts saying, hey, I'm gonna fail. On the other hand, you know, if, a, if an executive gets up during a presentation and says, hey, we're implementing AI, I don't know what that means. So
2: you're not wrong on that. I mean, I I, I think it's, it's, it's an overused term in a way that's not productive for people, in a way that's not helpful at all right now. And part of it, uh, I think, is largely to the fact that, um, it's it's an abstract concept that's very difficult to grasp. And at the same time, uh, there's not a lot of great knowledge sources right. about it for um, non-technology people. Right? Right. Or, so it's, or it's,
0: it's misinformation, maybe.
2: Yeah, so there's been a lot of great knowledge for data scientists and machine learning engineers and uh, software engineers, but that next wave of education for the people who implement the technology, who man- who manage the technology, um, and who make strategic decisions on the technologies is lacking right now. And that's uh, a big part of what we're doing at uh, Innovation Illustrated.
0: What, you mentioned this, you just, uh, another, point. I won't say buzzword, but artificial intelligence, what's the difference between AI and machine learning? You used that term earlier, or are the terms interchangeable. I, is there a difference
2: yeah so so mach, ma, machine learning is is a subset of AI okay. AI has many other different components uh, people have tended to use those two interchangeably um, right now I advise people if that helps you understand it a little bit better, use them interchangeably. Obviously, I don't want data scientists to be using them interchangeably because there's some fine details about it. But for the the ordinary person, I mean, if AI and machine learning, it's, uh, I'm okay with with that interchanging right now. Isn't
0: that the cat example though you were giving me is the machine is learning this as a cat? Yes. Okay. So it's,
2: uh, the ability to, for the uh, machine to learn without being explicitly programmed, right? So programming, which is, uh, as I was explaining earlier on, before we used to try and tell the machine everything about a cat, so that when we ask it to identify a cat, it's saying it's got eyes, it's got a nose, it's got fur, it's got all that, right? But uh, how that uh, progression happened uh, in uh, AI research is that maybe, you know what, maybe that's not necessary maybe we just need to show the, the machine as many cats as possible, and then it, it will learn what, it may, what a cat looks like, right? And so that's the, that's the uh, learning aspect of, uh, of machine, machine learning. It sounds
0: like people just being lazy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Kidding. Uh, um, is, so going back, I guess, I, I mean, I said before big data, um, because it always bothered me when a company or during a presentation, the guy saying we're implementing big data as if that's this panacea solution for for operational efficiency or something. Because it just it's sort of abstract. I I'm very much a, I need to see the results. And when I think about AI, doesn't it depend upon companies already having massive amounts of data with multiple dimensions to it, and it's it's already sorted and configured? appropriately and doesn't it doesn't need to be structured first before you can apply artificial intelligence or am i completely off on that oh
2: uh so yeah to to it doesn't necessarily need to be structured it needs to be clean okay. uh so that it can be fed into these algorithms and the reason why i uh, for uh i am of the opinion that it does not necessarily need to be structured because uh, if you use the right algorithms, you might start to find other connections within the data okay. that you didn't know about, and that's what creates new insights. So you don't want to uh, um, uh, put too much structure to too it. Too much up, bias, uh, uh, right? Yeah, up front, right? Okay. Uh, uh, because uh, one benefit of, of having it cleaned, right? And obviously in some... Uh, um, uh, uh, with minimal structure, like rows and columns or that you see in uh, in like a spreadsheet, right? Yeah, right? Just about that. And then from that, you can start to use different machine learning algorithms to say, hey, is there some insights here that I, I, I've I never heard about, right? So it's, it, and with these algorithms, they're able to uh, uh, analyze that data and surface new insights.
1: So Sorry. I don't wanna get away from the data perspective because I, I I think Energy and, and oil and gas companies think of themselves as I mean they have a ton of data right. a lot of a lot of things but things are changing so fast so how do we take this, this historical data you know years and years of of analog vertical wells and apply it to you know new new concepts new drilling if if those new concepts aren't necessarily in that data set today is that is that a struggle?
2: Yeah, I think what's, what's uh, lacking right now, and you alluded to this with AI being a buzzword, right? I think what's lacking right now is largely a framework for applying AI. And, it, and that's what we are doing at uh, Innovation Illustrated. So we are approaching it from the challenge being, okay, you got all the data. Okay, then what are the use cases for me to apply this data, right? So what uh, is lacking right now is, there's just a lot of examples out there, right? So when you go to a conference, you get a lot of examples of what other people are doing. But when you leave that conference, like how do I apply that to my organization? So what's needed uh, right now is a framework that can help you get, um, uh, the way you make uh, business decisions today and use that to apply to AI, right? So we've built a framework, for example, that looks at AI as a strategic capability. And so when you start to look at a strategic capability, it's now just like any other strategic capability you use in your strategy making, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you do that now, you can uh, find uh, 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 opportunities to apply AI in the value chain for how you deliver your product or your service to your customer. So that data now uh, starts to become mi- meaningful because you have uh, uh, meaningful objectives mm-hmm. to apply it and you can actually find places in your business processes and the activities that you, um, that your, your business
1: undertakes in, the, in delivery of uh, outcomes to customers, you can start to find places to apply that. So as you think about you know, providing this framework, and I, I go back to our conversation with Kevin, and, and the board, you know, you have this, maybe a board of directors group that's saying, hey, we should be thinking about this, or maybe they're totally unaware of it, but they probably need this framework to be able to either decide, yes, we need to spend capital for doing this or not. Um, and I know that's one of the things that you guys work on is is providing that framework and do, providing that education um, to senior management or or however, uh, but maybe you can touch a little bit on that. But the question really becomes, what kind of culture have you seen, you know, AI acceptance really work well? And, and is it a culture thing within a company to to be an adopter?
2: Yeah. So
1: what what we see is that
2: the most successful AI companies are the ones that embrace AI, AI from the top. So from the executives, the CEOs being this, the sponsors, because when you do that, then you have a straight path to tying AI to overall business strategy, right? We do see other companies where AI starts as a small project in, te- in, in the uh, technology department or somewhere else. And then there's often struggles to then now tie all this cool stuff that you're able to demo and tie it now to some meaningful business strategy that uh, impacts the bottom line. Right. So uh, from a cultural perspective, I say, hey, get your executives to buy in. Right. And that's why we focus on educating the executives first, Mm -hmm. uh, because once they understand what it is, once they can um, tie it to business strategy, then more
0: meaningful outcomes come from that. So and and that's what we're heading into is this specifically your company, um, Innovation Illustrated. So the first thing that you're problem that you're trying to solve for them is um to to really work at the c level or or board level and educate them on on how this can be beneficial to their overall strategy and profitability presumably yes ultimately
2: yes okay yes uh because we've seen those trends where uh sponsorship and adoption from the top especially for uh uh, uh and new concepts that that's that's really uh that's proving difficult for a lot of people to grasp having those top the top executives understand it most importantly understand how it can be leveraged to impact uh, uh strat uh, in, in in strategy making in order to impact the, the 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 bottom line in the business or in the delivery of uh, uh, customer outcomes we find that um, You have more successful implementations that way
0: okay so what are the types of companies that you work with um cross industry or is it just oil and gas or uh
2: our our genesis was definitely in um in companies that have lots of data as i saying uh started with a uh a startup that I built, that was doing social media intelligence. Mm -hmm. And that's largely because there's lots of data. So we're companies that have lots of data right now uh, at uh, at a uh, pretty significant advantage because you have a lot of assets to work with. And with AI, data is the asset. So you have a lot of assets to work with. So uh, as a result, you find the, uh, for example, oil and gas, because of all the sensors and all the data that's being collected. Uh, it becomes a natural good starting point uh, for ai for AI projects we are um, We are cross industry okay. um, we've worked with uh, different different uh, types of types of projects, but most of the but the the common thread there is largely around uh, data right now uh, if you have, If you have the data if you have the assets it's easier to uh, start to create a uh, start creating uh, Tangible strategies for your company right now, and if you don't have data, what we then do is advise how to start
1: collecting data. Yeah, that was my next question. That's
2: that's that's pretty much the, the the future there when you when we're looking at AI.
1: So uh, on that front, I mean, I think of our small private equity-backed guys who just got their first allocation. Maybe they, you know, got got five hundred million. They're going to go start drilling their wells. What what relevance does ai play in that company versus you know the the anadarko chevron's you know exxon's of the world uh are there is there a role for both both size companies
2: oh yeah oh yeah i mean um so for the bigger companies they're sitting on a lot of just on a lot of data right uh, mm-hmm. uh because a lot of, they have a lot of deployments out there sensors and and also historical data so uh, AI, uh, and a lot of them are starting to adopt it. So uh, it's it's primarily uh, it's just so much easier. But for the small for the smaller company, I mean there's it, it a great deal of advantage in terms of the fact that with AI, you can now um, um, multiply your capabilities. So for a smaller organization, Right? The ability to be able to, to uh, get some data, whether it's public data or private data, limited data sets right? and being able to do the work that in the past probably was needed like 10 people to do. You probably need one or two people to do it now uh, and now you can have those other people do other more meaningful things for your business. Uh, so being able to go from uh, idea to action faster or idea to product, idea to product, to, to service faster uh they it it uh puts those smaller companies um in a uh in a field where it can uh they can they can
0: uh, uh play with uh, with the with the bigger companies. Hmm. Yeah it can accelerate their involvement I guess. Yeah. So huh um now kinda of going back a little bit to um like I said, you've got experience on Watson. So when you go into, uh, you know, you've educated, you've sat down with the board, you sat down with management and you've educated them on, you know, what the opportunities are. And they say, yeah, you know what, we're going to engage with with innovation and, and go forth. What What is sort of the, um, I guess, platform that you use? Is it Watson?
2: And uh, no, it, it depends. Uh, so you, if a company's already, Um, built on the IBM platform we use Watson but you have other companies that have invested in Amazon as a cloud for example so we use the Amazon tools Uh, if you are in GC Google Google cloud then we use Google if you're in Azure uh, which is Microsoft clouds then we tend to use those 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 tools also use some uh, um, open source products that cut across the 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 different platforms so for example the apache line of open source products uh, can be used on all those platforms and so that uh, mitigates your risk in being tied to just one Is one
0: one uh, is one one better than another or more capable or is it really dependent Mm -hmm. upon so as a simplistic analogy i guess it would be um you've got Google spreadsheets versus Microsoft Excel, right? They're mm-hmm. both spreadsheet applications and they can both have their potentially strengths and weaknesses um, and certainly preferences that people would mm-hmm. have. So from an AI perspective, is there one that's like better than another functionally? Or is that is that a weird question? Yeah, you? no, no, it's
2: not a weird question. It's it's we, we get we get that question a lot. It depends on what you want to do different, different uh, uh, platforms have different strengths but the most important thing to realize is this uh, we just had uh, like the Google conference and the Microsoft conference this past week right? right and all and they're announcing all these new products. so is is uh, uh, companies are, uh, embracing AI these other platforms are still working on providing new products right so they are constantly products being announced uh during a 12-month cycle and so it's not i mean you can say one is in a, is it a disadvantage now over the other but they're all constantly trying to trying to trying to keep up i would say though so for example if you are in azure like right, microsoft mm-hmm. and you got office 365 and all that it's probably and you have expertise with microsoft <laughs> yeah it's probably um, uh, a good idea to just keep with that with that stack and uh, leverage what Microsoft is providing. If you're already on Amazon doing other things on Amazon, it's probably a good idea, the same thing with IBM, uh, because once you start to cross the, the platforms, uh, you're now requiring different expertise, right? So you're just adding complexity where, uh, at least for initial pro- projects, you
0: that's unnecessary complexity because you have the skills in-house. leverage those is there, Is that a question that my management teams come up to you with and say, "What should we be doing?" I mean, they're looking to you as the expert, right? Yeah, so you come in obviously with um, some preferences and you know you you take a look at their environment and then you make a recommendation, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, so we, our recommendation is is based on what gives them the best outcome. Right and what and also what they're trying to optimize for. If they're trying to optimize for time to market, probably leveraging a lot of the uh, capabilities and capacities that you currently have in house, gotcha. uh, and that gets you time to market, time to market faster. Uh, and also, on if they're optimizing for cost, that's the same. That's the same thing too. But then you also get companies that are trying to do
0: something totally different. I was right? going to ask you: Is there? Can you walk us through a? a typical engagement, but based on what you just said, I don't know that that there ever is a typical engagement. Maybe there is. There's
2: there's no uh, typical engagement. Uh, There's typical process that we go through, but the outcome that comes from there uh, is is less different. I'll give you an example. We just had a company this week, uh, in the energy industry, where we are looking at certain public data in order to identify uh, uh, opportunities uh, for sp- specific predictions, I won't go into detail. But uh, so it looked like a pretty standard vanilla, uh, you know, uh, kind of solution. Okay. But when we did the analysis of the data, we later realized that how disparate it is how inconsistent it is and um and and that that fact alone was going to add two or three months oh really uh, to the project because we have to standardize it in some form we're going to clean it we're going to standardize it and we gotta uh look for the right dimensions in order to model (laughs) to model it so so the process is the same this process is standard but the outcome for that uh uh, uh, differs from company to company. And it's largely based on, like you were asking a great question earlier on about data, right? It's largely based on the state of your data.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's, that's you know, again, and you were, you know, in my mind, if, if you go in there and, and that, as you just mentioned, the data's not exactly right, that's actually not a bad thing. Yep. Uh, I mean, ultimately, it may be longer on the time horizon, but, but at the end of it, the company's going to have a much better use and application of its data
2: oh yeah and 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 so that's one benefit a second benefit i I, I can add to that is that when you go through even just one early exercise uh with with some of this ai project that actually creates uh, uh, a habit in your organization on on where you're lacking with your data, where where or where in the process your data becomes dirty, where we're not collecting enough data, so we have too many holes in the data, and we're struggling to complete the the data the the story of the data. Right. So uh, what what uh, that those exercises do for you is actually start to instill these new habits and new culture in organizations with respect to uh, valuing data as an asset. Yeah. Uh, and and the impact it has, especially when you're playing with using AI. Yeah,
0: I think that would be very much a top-down you know decision where companies it's in effect you're instituting uh a new standard operating procedure. Not just habit, right? In other words, you're saying this is how we want our data to be and to look, and we're looking to you, employee, to facilitate that, but but it's not just us saying it. To be you know difficult, uh, but it's really explaining the benefit that ultimately they're going to get over time for everyone.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: so that's so that's
2: that's key. Um, uh, implementing those new uh operational procedures. Well, one other thing that uh, most uh, people uh tend to overlook is that AI. The delivery of AI is unlike traditional technology. It, imp- it introduces new processes in the, uh, in the life cycle of going from idea to a product or to a service. So when you think about it, so think about our data right now, what we're talking about, right? So now we have to, in the past, we bought software, you right. stole it, then you used it, right? Now what we're seeing is that software is already there. It's the data now that makes that software useful, right? So for that software to be super useful to you, which is the AI, your data must be in a, it must be, uh, um, in a state that it you can derive value from it, right? Yeah, and but isn't
0: that, I mean, and I'm, I, I'm thinking about, mm-hmm. again, because I'm simplistic, I'm not as smart as you, yeah. that's for certain. The I'm thinking of it, again, back to my Excel example of mm-hmm. Microsoft doesn't tell you how to go about and you know what you should do with Excel. They just say, Here's this platform, here's rows columns, you figure it out, and that's all it's just given to you right and yes. you are having to shove stuff in there so in my mind, what you were just kind of getting at seemed very similar where okay, um AI is a platform, but it's still really dependent upon you to kind of figure out what you're trying to accomplish is that
2: oh yeah, yeah, uh, so- and and that's why the strategy is imp- that's why the strategy is 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 important and that's why also when we're talking about frameworks of how and where you apply ai that's that's important because the same framework that you use for determining whether you you need excel right we need to distill the 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 concept of ai to that right so when you start to look at ai as, as as i was saying just just a minute ago that it's pretty much the software that's driven by data,
0: right?
2: Right, And you start to look at that as, uh, as a capability, right? And having a framework that tells you, hey, look, this is how you look at opportunities to apply that capability, right? In much more, it's in very much the same ways we look for, these are the opportunities for you to apply Excel, right? right? makes uh the way we think about ai the way we implement ai uh far much more simpler than uh i think it it, uh the prevailing uh situation we are in right now where it's a bunch of examples and people really can't figure out how to go from example to applying it to them yeah
0: yeah right now because i'm again if i'm a management if i'm on the board or at the management level c-level guys and you come in and you know, I'm not gonna think twice about you making a recommendation to implement Excel. I'll be like, duh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's everyone kinda of gets it, they know it. So, um but but if but if you're coming in and you're saying, hey, look, you just can't, you know, come in and say AI and it all works, you're coming in saying you guys need to put some framework around this first so that we can be successful.
2: Yeah. And and, and what we're trying to do actually is like saying that we're not creating a new framework. We're just okay. Providing you ways to think about AI as a strategic capability. So you can just leverage the same framework you have right now.
0: Okay. All right.
2: right? All right. So you're so, not, Okay. So, so in, and that's pretty much how we distill AI, like look at it as a strategic capability that can do a, B, C, D, E. Right. So when you look at it that way, you can use the same decision-making framework that you use to decide whether you needed it. You needed Excel. Right. Right. Okay. For this specific task in the delivery of, of your service or product to the customer right so you need performance you need to be uh faster because you're having bottlenecks right uh one thing you could do is is hire more people right right but one thing you could do is use ai and use automation right so but it's still the same framework of how you think about applying these tools uh and and uh with ai it's not it's not any different right it's not any
0: different I just, and I'm not experienced enough to know, but I just, you know, I see, um, these projects being just, you know, big and expensive and, you know, you just made the example of do I hire 10 people? I'm like, well, maybe it's less expensive that (laughs) way. I don't know. I would hope not. Right. But I, can you, can you give me an idea around that, um, on where where application of AI really kind of falls on the cost-benefit curve? Uh, I, th- I think
2: they're not necessarily expensive, right? I, in the sense that in most of the cases, you already have the data, right? And the, the asset that drives your AI mm-hmm. is usually locked in your IP, that's your data, and right. you're just now using it to either uh, predict, prescribe, uh, or describe, right? Uh, in in ways that uh yeah improve your efficiencies. Uh so it's not necessarily that, but it differs from project to project, right? So if you have like some uh something that needs expensive robots, for example, right? <laughs> <laughs> then that's gonna be a lot more a lot more expensive than right. something that need that's that you're simply trying to predict uh, uh revenue or you're gonna you're trying to predict production uh, of, of a well based on on prior prior data right right so okay. i think i think there's a spectrum there's a spectrum d- there and uh um yeah i i i, I, I don't want to just point it and and saying like it's going to be expensive it's going to be cheap i think it just depends on your implementation it was a bit so of an unfair
0: question to be honest with you yeah. so.
1: <laughs> so but along those same lines uh you know what do what do companies need internally? So we talked a little bit about culture a minute ago on on the culture to be successful, but do they need a large IT staff? Or how are they, oh. What what is needed for a company to actually be able to use and implement AI in the, I'll say in the field, but in the office?
2: Yeah, so we, we hear that a lot, right? And, and, and so what we advise is you gotta, uh, one, Assess the maturity of your um, technology team. Right? Can they deliver this? If you have a technology team, uh, the second is assessing your capabilities, and the third is assessing your capacity to to do that. Um, for the companies that uh, that have an internal technology team, so that's that's easy. You can you can identify those. Like, can do I have any data scientists on my team? Right? Do I even have the data? do we have people who are capable of, of handling large amounts of data, right? Uh, and uh, based on your capabilities, you can, make, you can uh, make the decisions on whether you need to augment those capabilities or not. The second question we also get is, is largely around build versus buy, right? So build, you gotta have the capabilities to do that. Should I buy? Uh, and what I recommend is that, well, you know what? This, there's a lot of effort that's, that has been put in uh, a lot of AI technologies right now. There's some, and you don't need to replicate that work. If you can buy, buy. Um, and if you're capable of building and you have the capacity to do so, then you can go ahead and build. The important thing is that that's one aspect of it. So like an organizational aspect. There's also a process aspect, right? Uh, because uh, now with AI you're introducing new new um, uh, new actors in the process okay. so for example, when we're looking at data it's no longer just data right you probably need to have your legal team to look at the legality of that data. you probably need to have uh, people look at uh, experts right so whether it's whether it's internal um subject matter experts on 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 bias right uh you probably need to have uh, other people look at the trust how how, how how much can we trust this data to help us make critical decisions right right so you and those are just three people that, examples i'm giving on bias the, that is can go even deeper in that right because it could be technology bias in the data. Right. And I, 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 I in the energy industry, I mean, you sit in a room with a bunch of engineers and there is all sorts of different ways to, to analyze one number, right? In terms of its reliability, right? And so all those things are packed in your data. And if you don't do all that work up front to try and figure all that out, it's going to manifest itself in the results that the AI give you. Right, And that can lead to either reliable or unreliable AI. So there's both organizational changes that that you need to look at. Uh, There's the build versus buy decisions. And then lastly, there is the uh, operational, the process decisions. And most importantly, just training. Uh, Having people understand uh, what AI is, what its impact is. uh, And having people being able to work side by side with AI is pretty important. Because you start writing into questions of, okay, if I'm working with an AI, uh, with a piece of AI, and it has made a decision, uh, and I'm doubting it, right. what's my process for that, right? Do I defer to it, or do I or do I win, right? <laughs> so, so you get all these new things that are new, new constructs, new new issues that are being introduced by AI that you gotta solve for, yeah. uh, and it's not. And so when we say it's unlike old technology where you bought. Microsoft Outlook and you put it on a desk and that was it. You got your IT guy to set it up and then you leave. No, this is ongoing because even when you get the data, right? You're going to be getting more data. you got to put in place a a system to refresh that data, to make sure your AI is current and it's giving you uh, uh, more current. Uh, You're able to make decisions based on the most current uh, data, right? And those are... uh, uh, processes that most organizations right now are not designed for.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's fascinating to me. And I, you know, um you know, we're talking a lot about, you know, data certainly. And you know, I mean, prior to the show, we were kind of, you know, chatting along out before coming in studio. <laughs> this this worldview of, of AI and you know, is it really a buzzword? Or is it on the other end of the spectrum, Skynet, like Elon Musk, you know, he's very, you know, be very careful, Uh, he doesn't like artificial intelligence. And what you're explaining doesn't sound like that to me. It sounds like it's very much a tool in the toolbox, as opposed to uh, the machines are taking over.
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, um, I'll tell you an interesting story. Uh, We changed our curriculum to actually lead with that. Uh, primarily because we had uh, one executive say, oh, so now when the AI can do everything, right? right? <laughs> and it, it got us thinking that, well, you know what? There's a lot of people who think that it can do everything. And what we really need to teach is that AI can do
1: very limited
2: tasks. In most cases, just one task. It just does it well, right? So when you think about it, there is artificial uh, narrow intelligence, this artificial uh, general intelligence and artificial super intelligence. I, I, I'll kind of explain what that is because it's very important. Artificial intelligence is um, where we are right now. We, I, AI can do one thing, it can do one thing. Well, it can identify pictures of cats. Right. Right? If you give it a dog, all it knows is that it's not a cat. Okay. It doesn't know it's a dog <laughs> until you show a different AI that does uh, that you show with docs right okay so uh, so you can do one thing can do one thing really well I know there are some that will maybe do one or two three things that are uh, combined together but for the mo- for the most part uh, it's very narrow what it can do which is artificial narrow intelligence there's also uh, the next uh, level of intelligence with the artificial general intelligence which is when uh, Artificial intelligence can think like we do. We can put constructs about the world around us, right? Uh, as human beings, we are not there yet. There's a lot of debate on when we'll get there. Some people say decades. Some people say never. Some people say Next year, right? But this still—we're not there. What that's you, you said. That's, yeah, that's when what. do we get there? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll leave that to the uh, researchers in the college labs, right? Uh, uh, but uh, I think I, I, I think we're not—we're not there. I think it's going to be a while before we get there. And then there's a large there's a large one which is the artificial super intelligence, which scares everybody. Which is when intelligence is smarter than us, right? So we are obviously. We still have to get to general intelligence. And if we say it's decades away, so yeah, we're still maybe decades away from the super intelligence that we talk about. The important thing right now is understanding that AI is pretty much a specific tool. It's pretty narrow in what it can do. Uh, And when you think about it, that way it's actually a big benefit when you start to think about connecting uh, AI to your business strategy, right? So, when you know, hey, I have AI that's capable of answering questions, right? And I'm capable of answering questions about this specific topic about human resource, okay. human resource benefits, right? Then you know where to apply that AI right away, right? I have AI that's able to predict failures of my equipment, right? right? right. It can predict uh, other failures like when I'm going to catch a cold but it, it knows when this uh, piece of elect, uh, an electrical submissible pump, when this is going to fail,
0: right? <laughs> Aaron's so going to fail it, next Thursday. <laughs> really. He's going to be sick and out of the
2: office. <laughs> right? I feel it now. So, so there's a huge advantage. There's, a, there's actually a huge advantage yeah. to understanding that it's limited because when you understand that and you know it's a tool, then it's you, you now have a, a, a finite, a, uh, a number of
0: opportunities
2: where you can apply and see, that,
0: and it. that's really helpful for me to understand. And I, because again, when we started this discussion, you know, I, I was making mention there this comparing it to big data and this you know um, idea, right? And how do you really operationalize it? But now you're saying, hey, no, it's very specific, and you can you can task it to accomplish certain goals. And in my mind, that's that's your value point is your um, your Doing or creating operational results. Yes. Very definitive and not some pie in the sky sort of ivory tower. Um, you know, it's going to help us five years down the road because somehow, some way, we're going to be better. Yes.
2: Yes. yes. I mean, and, when you understand how how uh, that is narrow, narrow and, and 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 deep, then the opportunities or the 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 business cases where you can apply it becomes pretty finite. And when it's finite, then people can grasp, grasp grasp that a lot better than when we talk about all this uh, pie-in-the-sky um, capabilities that it has, which are true when aggregated, right? So, for example, when you think about a self-driving car, right? It's oh, okay. aggregating a lot of different AI, but each AI is great at doing one thing, one thing, um, uh, well, Drive the but car. then when you, when you agree, because it's, it's also identifying trees, it's identifying people, it's identifying other cars. It's cats. Idea, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's identifying I cats. I i got cats. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it, breaking <laughs> distances. It's, it, right? It's doing a lot of different things. But when you aggregate all the different AI together, then you create uh, that self-driving. Then, it, cl- driving then it drives. Yeah.
0: Well, but again, <laughs> that's very, ultimately, a very um results oriented task in and of itself yes drive the car from here to here yes don't hit the cat yeah got it pretty or definite. if you're not a cat lover <laughs> accelerate oh yeah so, <laughs> sorry so, if there's so, any cat lovers out there it's my bad
2: <laughs> actually that's a, that, uh, so, so that's a good example right i mean because we'll, because we're trying to get to how do you get uh from um how do you how do you connect ai to strategy right so you're your your, your your requirement is go from A to B, mm-hmm. don't hit this specific object. Right. So what do you need? Right, so you, what you need is your AI to be able to identify specific objects, and when it does, then make a corrective action, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So and that's pretty clear in terms of uh, a strategic capability, the, str- the capability being, hey look, it's, it's, it's an object identifier, right? So whether that object identifier was a person sitting on the, on the hood, Right? Yeah. And looking out for specific objects and saying, no, we're about to hit right, this right. object, right? right, Or whether that, that person is replaced by AI that automatically does that, right? The, the capability right. is still the same. So that's what, that's what I, 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 I'm uh, talking about. Like, right, right now, my, my mission is to really help distill it so people can start thinking about it in those terms.
0: Yeah, it's the, it's the I guess now, the application across almost uh, uh, um, certainly industries, but is just so, in my mind, vast, right? Um, Because it's not just the car, right? It's it's the Amazons of the world absorbing every bit of information for their goals around understanding like buyer preferences or something. Mm -hmm. They've got a very specific goal. They want to be able to sell product to you.
2: Yeah, personalization.
0: Right, Um, so I, I just find that wholly fascinating. If we can narrow in a little bit on oil and gas, because that is our audience. Mm-hmm. So tell me about how AI and, and what innovation does is going to help out these oil and gas guys. Or, or I don't know if you have any experience on it, on the investor side. I don't know if you can speak to either. Well, to one or both of them. Okay. I
2: I, I, I think they're all related. So, so when you look at... Um, Uh, the oil and gas field, right? Uh, I can name two distinct uh, uh, opportunities. So there's operational efficiencies. So as we talked about, predictable maintenance and things like that, right? But there's opportunities, especially in uh, production prediction, right? Leveraging uh, all the past data that you have about uh, a reservoir, right, and about past walls, about the uh, drilling strategies, mm-hmm. right, in order to find the most optimal drilling strategy that maximizes uh, production, whether that's IP, IP, X ninety, right. You can use AI for that, and we actually did um, a project, um, several. That was the last last year. Last year. Oil and, oil, public oil and gas data is pretty dirty, right? Okay. It's yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty dirty. I, I think we all know that, yeah, right? Just and put out there. and okay. that's why we need the DI's and all these companies to kind of clean that for us, right? Nice plug. But when you have good when you have good data, right? It's it's actually it's, uh pretty fascinating what it can show you. So, so you could look at two wells, right? And see, they already they already have the, they have the same strategy, um, uh, but they both produce differently when they should when they should uh, produce almost the same because they're really close to each other, right? And with their project, for example, we're able to to find that like man, the timing zone for one engineer uh, was 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 really low, right? We had with this this timing zone sc- score, the more you. S- you, the more you're in zone, we give you a high score, okay. and the less you, we give you a less score, and that was able to pre- tell us, hey, look, that's that's the reason why these two these two wells are produced are producing differently, right? So you now you optimize on your timing right. zone and start to focus on that. So around because uh, that would translate into real dollars right oh, there, exactly right. Yeah. And so when when I say those two are, are correlated, because now when when these companies when you're able to predict better, yeah. right either operational efficiencies or uh, predict uh, production and um, uh, drilling strategies, then obviously on the investor side, there's a a great
0: deal of interest in that. I imagine, guys are pretty interested in banging on your door saying, hey, help us out here.
2: Yeah, there's also uh, um, supply chain uh, optimization, right? So, um, you know, being cost efficient with how you deliver product on site, Right, yeah, uh, and how you predict a uh, specific product running out uh and uh, uh and the process for ordering that to make sure, hey, when product runs out, it's already on uh uh on the trailer and it's already set up, like
1: sand, yeah, Sa- <laughs> oh, yeah, and we're moving to this logistics world of of sand moving and oh. and getting it there as much as you need when it's there, all that kind of stuff, oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: and, and what's the most optimal way of uh, arranging uh, uh, arranging that on a, on a truck bed, right? AI can help you with that. Because if you're recording all that data, right? right, AI can tell you, like, you actually uh, complete the job faster. you complete it more efficient with less people mm-hmm. when
1: things are laid out this way. Interesting. That's awesome. Right. I so feel like the, from the beginning part of our conversation to now, we kind of got that construct and that framework that we were talking about. And now we're, now I've got ideas, right? I mean, seriously. <laughs> you start
0: thinking about all these things going, you know, again, if, you're, if you can collect uh, very specific data, and also here's a, this is off topic from oil and gas somewhat, but I think is relevant, and you tell me otherwise, but my understanding is that uh, part of this whole deal with Tesla mm-hmm. is that um, you can now, you can buy your insurance through there and they've partnered up with a major insurance provider what the car is doing is it is literally collecting all of your data around your driving habits, how fast you accelerate, how, how hard you bank and turn and what, you know, that, what G's you pull. And it all goes into your driving habits then goes into I think is collected by, for uh, insurance so that they can in turn model the appropriate policy against the type of driver you are. Because ultimately the car is apparently the best, yeah. So that's so that's personalization, right?
2: Used in a different way. So collecting data, right, uh, and personalizing in a different way. So in this case, I uh, what what Tesla is doing, from my understanding, is largely that hey, look, our uh, customers are paying too much for insurance, right? And the models that are being used are just generic based on a broader population. Okay. We think. Okay because we have the data for specific users or for specific drivers, uh, I, th- I think internally they probably modeled it and, and find out like, oh yeah, no, you know what? Our driver's actually much safer because one of the things they're talking about is the autopilot, yeah, um, right. I, yeah. so now I don't know much about it, but um, you know, uh, th- so presumably it's safer so that lowers the risk. So it shouldn't be uh, there shouldn't be in a high risk pool, right? So basically, the, that's that's the idea. Uh, whether it's right or not, I mean, that, that's a different story. But the most important thing here is um, the fact that you can collect this data. Yeah, that's what right? I was getting
0: at. Really, was just this whole notion about uh, it's the this this capacity to collect data. Yes, right. And and I think about it, you know, either your car is doing it or your your phone, your device is doing it, and you know. Um, and as you integrate in, like I think about guys out in the field, right? Who, you know, when they go up to the wellhead and they pull the ticket and they write it on out and they scribble it on out versus having uh, something there, you know, time, uh, a sensor that's hooked into your phone. And now you, you're, not you're, getting, you're not getting your sh- crappy data from something scribbled on a, on a piece of paper, but you're actually getting it from a device that's feeding it into an overall model that you would want to use. Potentially, yes. To, um, put as part of your data set for your AI. Framework. Oh yeah, yeah. I
2: know. I, I know. Earlier you had asked me about um, digital transformation, right? So digital transformation is very, very important because you cannot do AI without that. Right. And we, just, me, I we, just, on something. <laughs> we can just go back a little bit on, on what that means. Right. So when you look at digital transformation, there's uh the, there's digitization, which is the process of, uh, of taking like your old documents and Screen. creating yeah. e-book, ebooks and scanning and uh, most preferably taking your logs that were on paper and putting them in Excel, converting them to Excel. Right. Uh, so that is very important because now you are putting, when we're talking about preparing data and having it uh, in a way where it's uh, um, appropriate for AI, that's one step, right? Because AI is not going to work with logbooks that are in some folder, some binder somewhere on some filing cabinet, right? right? So digital, trans- digital digitization, pretty important, right? And it's a, it's a very important part of digital transformation, right, which is how uh, an organization goes from non-digital to being uh, fully digital. And when we think about transformation, we're talking about uh, how it, when from an organizational standpoint, right, we set up an organization with people who are working in order to uh, produce products or services that you deliver to a customer. So we have people that's work, that's products and services, that's customer engagement. Those three parts of a business, right? So if you digitize all those parts, mm-hmm. so whether it's how people are working, which is the example you were giving me, with hey, you can now collect data right. with the with the, with the, with with your phone. So now if you go from the the physical logs where people are writing down on paper, but now when they go out to the field, they have an app that's collecting data. Now it's in a digital format. You probably have uh, an internal social network where pe- conversations can take place uh, and decisions can be made, which means we can mine that data to see how decisions were made in the past so we can we can apply it to future decisions and make better decisions. And when talk about pro- product, right, um, we can apply data to that, so it's either you can digitize your products if they're digitizable, right, or having the data feedback from the customers that can help you in bettering your product, right? So that's the product part. And then there's the marketing and engagement part, right? Which is what most people think digital, digital transformation is about. It's like, oh yeah, now we have digital marketing, right? It's just one of the three, right? Where you're engaging uh, and you're marketing differently, but in doing so now you have the opportunity to capture that data that actually influences the other two right, the way you work, the way the products you deliver, right, and uh, so that's pretty important. So when you start looking at your organization from that point and saying, hey, we need to transform uh, to digital transformation because only when we are there, when we have that data, can we get to um, uh, doing some interesting things with AI, right. Has that been
0: your recommendation to some firms? You come oh, come yeah. in and you're like, hey, you've got to, just got to step it up. Your- oh yeah, 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 okay. yeah, it, it is.
2: Because if you don't have that data, right? Yeah. I mean, you can do it. But that's not to say that not having the data precludes you from doing AI, right? I mean, Because there's still a lot of uh, public data sets that are, that are, that gotcha. are there, yeah. like with focus, right? Yeah. Public data sets that are there you can leverage, you can still do that. But where you actually get uh, a competitive advantage, right? Is now leveraging the data from your customer that the, the person next to you does not have, right? Right, and applying that and and getting a competitive ad- advantage. But digital transformation is pretty key, in uh, in being able to set yourself up for for uh, AI.
0: I'm sitting here. Just you get pretty. You're pretty passionate about this. This is actually. It's really cool. It's, it's like, man. Every time I, I, you know, you say something, I think of another question. I'm like, oh, what about this? And you're all over it. So that's awesome. Um, like we are. We are uh, running a little bit over on our time. Uh, not that we're really constrained on time, but uh, being very cognizant of uh, of your time, and you know what. Uh, you know, and before we go, I don't know if there's anything else that you know, we wanted to bring up that we haven't thought about or mentioned or.
1: No, I, 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 I think, like I said, I think we, at least I started this discussion in one spot and was able to get brought along. And, and now that the, the idea varies going on in my head, but yeah. uh, I I would just ask one, thank you, Tom. And then two, did we miss any question that your clients ask you all the time? And you're like, Man, I think they're going to ask me about this. Yeah, I mean, what does is, what
0: is the you know, our audience want to know? Um, you know, it's more around again towards oil and gas, but.
2: Yeah, I mean. Uh, not to put uh, you on the, the spot. Well, yeah, we've covered some <laughs> questions. I mean, obviously the idea of what can it do, right, right is a pretty, pretty almost uh, uh, asked question. And. At dispelling the notion that it can do everything is very key because I think once you dispel that notion, the understanding that it can do a few things becomes really powerful, right? In how you can start to think about how to use it as a tool that's good at specific things. Other questions we get are around governance, like what, uh, yeah. what, uh, uh, both, um, uh, micro and macro, right? So, uh, starting with the macro, right, which is what are, the go- what are governments doing in terms of governing AI? And uh, I think what's currently happening is that everybody's just trying to figure it out. Everybody's still trying to figure it out okay. because yeah. I, I, I'm tracking uh, uh, bills that have been proposed in Congress uh, to see what's happening there. I think there's still just proposals right now. Are they well-informed? Um, I hope they are. Right. Because uh, I would s- submit, no. S- s- so. Some of the implications could be pretty, pretty, uh, pretty significant. Uh, but internally, though, it's, it's, which is the macro, right? We, I think it's pretty important that uh, when you think about AI, start to put some governing structures around it. Uh, Largely to protect yourself, right? I mean, I mean, we don't know how it's all going to play out in terms of hey, if you use unreliable data to make certain decisions, right? And it affects somebody, right? Like what the repercussions for that are. So this is the kind of the things you got to start thinking about. The other question that I get is around training, like, uh, uh, and who is going to lose their jobs? That kind of right. question. And and, and and honestly, I I know there's there are a lot of camps here. There's a lot of camps that say, well, everybody's going to be replaced. And then there's camps that say, well, nobody's going to lose their job, right? I I'm am, I am in the middle. We don't know. It just depends what it is. If it's if you're replacing using r- robotic process automation, right? To re- you could literally replace a person, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And so for me to, I don't think it's responsible for me to say, well, uh, nobody's gonna get replaced. Maybe you might shift that person to do another job, right? Like a great example yeah, is sure. the AT- ATM with the banks, right? That that people who are tellers just got to sell more products, right? Which mm-hmm. is the kind of like the outcome that we're probably looking for. Uh, that would be great, at least in my mind, but uh, so we don't really know that um, uh, what gets replaced. I think it's going to differ from place to place, uh, uh, implementation to implementation, on what ha- what happens there. The other thing is around sk- about skilling. Like, what do I need to do with with uh, training, training uh, the organization? I I think uh, right now everybody's focusing on training the technology team, which is great, right? but the next step uh, there is training the people who can take the technology and get it to the, to, uh, the uh, staff's desktops, right? So, and the reason why, uh, why um, I think that's pretty key is that I think there is a significant number of companies that have dabbled in AI and they've had all these great demos and great prototypes Right, but I'm just not seeing that get out of the engineering teams, right, into into onto people's desktop where it's actually working.
0: Right. right. Well, and that's just it. I mean, you brought it up before. Is that you know it's very important that management understands. You know, you're 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 being more successful because management understands, and that's potentially a key part of it. Is like, hey, not just to, you know, my my players getting stuff to their desktop, but I want it on my desktop so I actually can see this. Yeah. So. Yeah. And part of it is,
2: is is like understanding that not every data scientist can also take a product to to production, right? Can deploy it, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of like the assumption that, oh yeah, they've done it. So now we gotta see it and everybody's gonna use it. So you need all these other new capabilities and train those people who uh who are currently right now really great at how to take something uh-huh. in the IT department and deploying it to everybody's desktop, right? Do you, you ever, ever train should, those people in order to get that?
0: Do you ever run across, uh, uh, you know, in a consulting engagement, you know, you run across the data scientist who doesn't really understand why they need you to come in? <laughs> 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 you, know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, it's, somebody, it's the, the local expert who <laughs> kind of feels threatened a little bit. By, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other expert coming on in and saying, hey,
2: so, so preferably we're coming in before the data scientist. Okay. okay so we are <laughs> able to lay out the plan for the company to say, hey, you need a data scientist for uh, here and this is their role. It's clearly defined. Gotcha. And to support the data scientist, you're gonna need this and this people. And when you do that then now you're setting up the data scientists for success. Right when you when you understand their capabilities right. and uh, what they can and cannot do, um, then uh, when they're successful, the people who are supporting them are successful. Then the organization is successful.
0: So when you go in, you you kind of go through a process. You go through. A, I know I said I was going to wrap this up, but I'm not because um, I'm curious. Now, do you do like a sort of a quarterly maintenance after you guys have completed something, or you know you're engaging a company, sort of on an ongoing basis to make sure make sure that they're staying on the rails, right? I mean, it's an option in the contract. Will they pay me for
1: that?
2: <laughs> it's an option in the contract, uh, depending on how it's structured. Okay. But um, we're hoping that 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 they, they can take they asked. can take that offer. Right. That they can take that that part of the contract.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I think that they would. I mean, just you know, if you're showing positive results and you know, get better at it.
2: Yeah. So. And because uh, the background is. Uh, because I have a, a business and a technology background. I can uh, uh, I marry those two, mm-hmm. right? And in order to, to give that kind of feedback on an ongoing basis when we are making uh, assessments. And and uh, so it's not like we, we, we are a, uh, a business consultant who leaves because now it's the technology folks coming in. Right, right. right? Because mm-hmm. they have uh, the, both those backgrounds. I can also assess whether the deployments are happening correctly, whether the the uh, technology life cycle is being implemented correctly with the right people in the right roles uh, to uh, position the business for success. Smart guy. <laughs>
1: <That's>, <laughs> Nailed yeah. it. I booked him. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, all right, um, as, we, uh, as we, now I'm gonna start actually to wrap this on up, but, um, Tom, tell me or tell everybody listening, how it, it, how do they get a hold of of you? And uh, you know, uh, we we brought up a lot of information around AI, and they're interested. How do they get a hold of you? Uh, so, go
2: to our website innovationillustrated.com. Uh, think of Sports Illustrated, but this is Innovation Illustrated. <laughs> innovationuniversity.com. There's a form to fill there.
0: There's not a picture yeah. of you in a bikini. <laughs> yeah, I
1: was gonna <laughs> say, what kind of center phones around
0: this? <laughs> there's a form
2: to fill there. You can fill in that form with your needs and
0: we'll, we'll contact you. Awesome, okay. If there's a, anybody out there who has any questions um, that you have of uh, uh, here at, at Intercom at least, or of ourselves or of, of Tom and Innovation, that we can pass along. Uh, the email address here is ogpodcast at intercominc.com. Uh, Tom, once again, thank you for being here today. Uh, this is hugely uh, informative for me. I just makes me think of how much I just really don't know. <laughs>
2: right. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I, this was great. All right, man. Thank hey, you.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks.